Section 7 of Twain and Howells on Each Other. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My Mark Twain, Literary Friends and Acquaintances by William Dean Howells. Chapter 6 It was among my later visits to Hartford that we began to talk up the notion of collaborating a play, but we did not arrive at any clear intention, and it was a telegram out of the clear sky that one day summoned me from Boston to help with a continuation of Colonel Sellers. I had been a witness of the high joy of Clemens in the prodigious triumph of the first Colonel Sellers, which had been dramatized from the novel of The Gilded Age. This was the joint work of Clemens and Charles Dudley Warner, and the story had been put upon the stage by someone in Utah whom Clemens first brought to book in the courts for violation of his copyright, and then indemnified for such rights as his adaptation of the book had given him. The structure of the play, as John T. Raymond gave it, was substantially the work of this unknown dramatist. Clemens never pretended, to me at any rate, that he had the least hand in it. He frankly owned that he was incapable of dramatization. Yet the vital part was his, for the characters in the play were his as the book embodied them, and the success which it won with the public was justly his. This he shared equally with the actor, following the company with an agent who counted out the author's share of the gate money, and sent him a note of the amount every day by postal card. The postals used to come about dinner-time, and Clemens would read them aloud to us in wild triumph one hundred and fifty dollars two hundred dollars three hundred dollars were the gay figures which they bore and which he flaunted in the air before he sat down at table or rose from it to brandish and then flinging his napkin into his chair walked up and down to exult in by and by the popularity of the play waned and the time came when he sickened of the whole affair and withdrew his agent and took whatever gain from it the actor apportioned him. He was apt to have these sudden surceases following upon the intensities of his earlier interest, though he seemed always to have the notion of making something more of Colonel Sellers. But when I arrived in Hartford in answer to his summons, I found him with no definite idea of what he wanted to do with him. I represented that we must have some sort of plan and he agreed that we should both jot down a scenario overnight and compare our respective schemes the next morning. As the author of a large number of little plays which have been privately presented throughout the United States and in parts of the United Kingdom, without ever getting upon the public stage, except for the noble ends of charity, and then promptly getting off it, I felt authorized to make him observe that his scheme was as nearly nothing as chaos could be. He agreed hilariously with me, and was willing to let it stand in proof of his entire dramatic inability. At the same time, he liked my plot very much, which ultimated Sellers, according to Clemens' intention, as a man crazed by his own inventions and by his superstition that he was the rightful heir to an English earldom. The exuberant nature of Sellers and the vast range of his imagination served our purpose in other ways. Clemens made him a spiritualist, whose specialty in the occult was materialization. He became on impulse an ardent temperance reformer, and he headed a procession of temperance ladies after disinterestedly testing the 
deleterious effects of liquor upon himself until he could not walk straight. Always he wore a marvelous fire-extinguisher strapped on his back to give proof in any emergency of the effectiveness of his invention in that way. We had a jubilant fortnight in working the particulars of these things out. It was not possible for Clemens to write like anybody else, but I could very easily write like Clemens, and we took the play scene and scene about, quite secure of coming out in temperamental agreement. The characters remained for the most part his, and I varied them only to make them more like his than, if possible, he could. Several years after, when I looked over a copy of the play, I could not always tell my work from his. I only knew that I had done certain scenes. We would work all day long at our several tasks, and then at night, before dinner, read them over to each other. No dramatists ever got greater joy out of their creations, and when I reflect that the public never had the chance of sharing our joy, I pity the public from a full heart. I still believe that the play was immensely funny. I still believe that if it could once have got behind the footlights, it would have continued to pack the house before them for an indefinite succession of nights. But this may be my fondness. At any rate, it was not to be. Raymond had identified himself with Sellers in the play-going imagination, and whether consciously or unconsciously, we constantly worked with Raymond in our minds. But before this time bitter displeasures had risen between Clemens and Raymond, and Clemens was determined that Raymond should never have the play. He first offered it to several other actors who eagerly caught it, only to give it back with the despairing renunciation, "'That is a Raymond play!' We tried managers with it, but their only question was whether they could get Raymond to do it. In the meantime Raymond had provided himself with a play for the winter, a very good play, by Demarest Lloyd, and he was in no hurry for hours. Perhaps he did not really care for it. Perhaps he knew, when he heard of it, that it must come to him in the end. In the end it did, from my hand, for Clemens would not meet him. I found him in a mood of sweet reasonableness, perhaps the more softened by one of those lunches which our publisher, the hospitable James R. Osgood, was always bringing people together over in Boston. He said that he could not do the play that winter, but he was sure that he should like it, and he had no doubt that he would do it the next winter. So I gave him the manuscript in spite of Clemens' charges, for his suspicions and rancors were such that he would not have had me leave it for a moment in the actor's hands. But it seemed a conclusion that involved success and fortune for us. In due time, but I do not remember how long after, Raymond declared himself delighted with the piece. He entered into a satisfactory agreement for it, and at the beginning of the next season he started with it to Buffalo, where he was to give a first production. At Rochester he paused long enough to return it, with the explanation that a friend had noted to him the fact that Colonel Sellers in the play was a lunatic, and insanity was so serious a thing that it could not be represented on the stage without outraging the sensibilities of the audience. Or words to that effect. We were too far off to allege Hamlet to the contrary, or King Lear, 
or to instance the delight which generations of readers throughout the world had taken in the mad freaks of don quixote whatever were the real reasons of raymond for rejecting the play we had to be content with those he gave and to set about getting it into other hands in this effort we failed even more signally than before if that were possible at last a clever and charming elocutionist who had long wished to get himself on the stage heard of it and asked to see it we would have shown it to anyone by this time and we very willingly showed it to him he came to hartford and did some scenes from it for us i must say he did them very well quite as well as raymond could have done them in whose manner he did them but now late toward spring the question was where he could get an engagement with the play and we ended by hiring a theater in new york for a week of trial performances clemens came on with me to boston where we were going to make some changes in the piece and where we made them to our satisfaction but not to the effect of that high rapture which we had in the first draft he went back to hartford and then the cold fit came upon me and in visions of the night in slumberings upon the bed ghastly forms of failure appalled me and when i rose in the morning i wrote him here is a play which every manager has put out of doors and which every actor known to us has refused and now we go and give it to an elocutioner we are fools whether clemens agreed with me or not in my conclusion he agreed with me in my premises and we promptly bought our play off the stage at a cost of seven hundred dollars which we shared between us but clemens was never a man to give up i relinquished gratis all right and title i had in the play and he paid its entire expenses for a week of one-night stands in the country it never came to new york and yet i think now that if it had come it would have succeeded so hard does the faith of the unsuccessful dramatist in his work die end of chapter six